This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The race is on, and Jensen Button is back with Williams, not as a driver, but as a senior advisor. But what exactly does that mean, and what can he bring to his old team? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to discuss Button's F1 comeback is Scott Mitchell. Scott, well this is great, isn't it? Jensen Button back with Williams. Obviously he was an old favourite of yours in your youth, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was. Um, uh, the It's... It's one of those where I think I, t- I tweeted this sort of with, with something that we we ran um, in the wake of the announcement that the sort of sentimental view is just oh this is mega isn't it it's just you know button reuniting with the team that gave him his big break what twenty one years ago now um, but only obviously uh, lived to be a one year uh, partnership uh, but the affection that button sort of had for Williams I think was there. I think for his entire F1 career, like, and even by the end of it, I think he was talking really warmly about Williams. And now you can still you can see the excitement now of him going back. And then you've got the cynical view, which is, well, what does this actually mean? Is it just a glorified ambassadorial role, which is what we're going to get into in this uh, in this little podcast? Yeah, I did hear someone saying "money for old rope" in describing it, which I think was perhaps a little bit harsh. But obviously, it is a, a slightly vague role. So, senior advisor, what do we actually know about what that role entails? Uh, well, it's more serious than being a junior advisor, uh, but I. But it's not quite running the team. That's, not quite an um, executive advisor. Not not an executive advisor. No. Um, no. So basically, like what what this will be is like a mix of uh, ambassador duties, but also sort of consulting duties. So the reason he's not called an ambassador is because uh, Donaldson Capital, which which owns Williams, um, wants to get more from button than just sort of being someone to wheel out at events. Uh, so there's sort of a few different, I guess, firm examples of what he's going to be doing. Um, he will be working with George Russell and Nicholas Latifi, the, the Williams F1 drivers and also the Williams Academy drivers as well. There's obviously a huge amount of knowledge to impart there. Um, but it's not just going to be, uh, button the mentor he's, he's he's more than that so he will be attending various grand prix uh as a williams person uh he will be taking part in some events in the uk and he's also going to be supporting williams's media and marketing activities uh where required that's all obviously again much more ambassadorial but as i said they want to tap into it from a sort of consultancy point of view as well that's not to say that Button's going to be briefed on every major decision that Doralton want to take, but I imagine it means that when it comes to racing matters and areas where they want a bit more of a racing perspective, they'll probably turn to him 
Um, he does have an awful lot of experience. He's one of only 33 drivers to have become world champion. So he knows knows what it takes from a driving perspective to be the best. He's also driven for various teams. He claimed in an interview he did with Sky Sports F1, he'd driven for six teams. But he's either he's either counting one change of the same team uh, or or discounting another because uh, I I have it as seven entities that, that Jensen has driven for in in Formula One, but strictly speaking, only four teams. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's basically Williams, Enstone, Brackley, McLaren. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know where the six is. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I can see where I can see how it's either four or seven. I assume he's treating BAR and Honda the same, or Honda and Braun the same. Renault did own Benetton by two thousand and one. It just wasn't called yeah. Renault. So maybe who knows? I, I don't know whether he's put a great deal of thought into it. We're probably, we're probably... <laughs> no. It was very much. A, it was very much a sort of. <laughs> Uh, off the cuff, uh, cuff point, but basically, um, is it's something that I think Dorrelton look since they bought Williams, there's been a lot of investment. Uh, there have been some major decisions made. For example, the uh, the increased Mercedes technical partnership, which um, I think you've uh, you've you've covered in in detail for for the site, and I think done a video from as well on the races YouTube channel, so people can get up to speed of that sort of stuff there. But just because they're f- they are putting money into Williams now. They're not throwing money at it willy-nilly. It's not just a case of... Uh, it's not just a case of just... They've, they've got loads of money to spend, so spend it on whatever they want. They would only have done this because ultimately these are money people, aren't they, but, uh, that, that, that run that run Williams now. So they're not going to be spending money if they don't see a value there. So they will ho- be hoping to get something tangible um, out of Jensen. Um, it's... He is a driver with almost unprecedented F1 experience, isn't he? He's, he was he started he started more than three hundred Grand Prix, uh, and I said he's driven for the teams that I mentioned. We, we discussed just then. Um, he's going to command so much respect from the people within Williams. If he goes to the factory, which he's planning on doing, and he addresses staff, the staff are going to listen. If he comes out and says, "I've spoken with the guys who run the the show, they have made this decision, and I agree, this is the right decision." then the people at Williams are going to buy into it. And I think that's important because while it would be easy to say that everyone at Williams is now super enthusiastic about life under Doralton because there's money in the team now and it's positive and there's great energy, there must be some people there that aren't sure. There must be some people there that are a little bit sceptical about what life after the family is going to be like at Williams. If you've got someone like Jensen, who represents a tangible link to the past, to Frank, uh, and is a successful guy in his own right, is a successful driver, loads of F1 experience, I think you have to take that seriously. So I, I think this is... I, I can see this having quite a few benefits to, to Williams. What I don't think it will be is Jensen coming in and giving a clear idea of how to run the team properly because for all his experience and what he's achieved and where he's been, I think that's not something he's got proper first-hand knowledge of. It's one of those things that you, you shouldn't overestimate or underestimate the role he's not there as a as a permanent full timer, so he's not running the team. He's not got he's not CEO or team principal or or one of these one of these sorts of roles. So, so he's not there to make all the decisions, but he has got a good well of experience to tap in on. He's very well presented, so he will be great if they want to use him with sponsors. He'll be great with the media. He will be good, as you say, in terms of taking a slightly external view of things as well. And and actually, this thing about about being an advisor, sometimes it is useful to have trusted, experienced people who aren't necessarily kind of day-to-day involved just to bounce ideas off. 
and that can be useful. And you don't necessarily need to do it that often for them to be of of use. So, you know, it, it's not a central building block of the revival of Williams or anything, but it's it's just somebody who's multifaceted, who knows what he's doing, who has a lot of of uses where you can just here and there deploy him in in a way that will be handy. He's not going to be doing it. 365 days a year it's not going to take up a huge amount of his time because he's got plenty of other things on he's got his own racing activities to to do and and plenty of other things to get on with in life but it's just a, it's a nice thing for him to do and i'm sure within the the limited scope of what he's doing he'll he'll be a useful addition to their armory yeah and obviously the most obvious advantage of this role will be his profile because he's relevant he's popular and he's a he's a really good public facing person for the new Williams regime to have. He's got he's got more profile. He's got he's more well known than the new CEO Jos Capito. He's more well known and recognisable than the team principal Simon Roberts. So it, it, it is a good person for Williams to be able to say, okay, at big events or in big moments, we've got a big gun here to to, to wheel out. And as I said, he he's got that link to the team's history at the same time, and the reunion element has been played up a lot already. And sentimentality doesn't win anything on track, but it has its advantages off it. Um, and the fact that this is a multi-year deal just it does indicate that both parties see this as not a quick fix to anything, but also something worth uh, persevering with. So I have to. I mean, you know, you. Um, you know, you, Mark Hughes, and myself, we were all on a we were on a call when this um, this news came out, and I think it's fair to say that all three of us reacted fairly cynically to it in terms of oh, how much is this actually going to be? But I think that's sort of an automatic response rooted in the fact that he's not going to be running the team, and he's not a guy with team management experience. When you actually sort of drill down into okay, what's he going to be doing? Where are they realistically going to be trying to get something from him? And what ca- what does he bring, and what are the limitations to what he bring? I think it I think it adds up to being a pretty decent move from from Williams. I see more benefits in there than you know potential losses, for example. Yeah, exactly. And, and this sort of position, teams have done this sort of thing in the past. We've had people who've had this sort of this sort of role with teams. You know, Nicky Lauda famously was a. Uh, uh, was an advisor for for Ferrari, brought in by by Luca de Montezemolo. He was actually called a strategic advisor when he joined in '93. Michael Schumacher had an advisory role with Ferrari, so he occasionally tested did a few bits for the the road car side, a few promotional things. Alan Prost, a technical advisor with McLaren in '96. So you see some of these kinds of roles. You also have some of the more pure promotional ones. McHacken, I think, still is a partner ambassador with with McLaren, and then you get the slightly strange ones like Alonso for a couple of years was a McLaren racing ambassador which I don't think he did an enormous amount for, but he did drive the car. So it's a very, very broad spectrum, these these kinds of roles. But I think I think it's it's positive. And, and you can imagine as well the use of him for if you're trying to bring in sponsors and that kind of thing. If you can wheel out Jensen Button in your presentation, that is going to wow people in a way that George Russell, good as he is, and Nicholas Latifi won't. Because he's Jensen Button. He's a megastar. He's one of 33 world champions. He's an absolute sporting star, and what what's more, he's really, really professional and and at ease in that sort of environment. I don't think he's going to be doing endless amounts of that sort of thing, but you might sort of think if you want to try and clinch something, just add a bit of wow factor. So, so he's got lots of little elements where he can where he can be handy, and of course, he knows how Formula One teams work, so he can at least feed in in little areas, little details here and there, maybe that he might pick up on. 
Yeah, things that he's noticed um, or, you know, that he did notice when he was at McLaren, for example. I know that he he was there um, at the end of his career when they were a waning power in Formula 1, but he was also still there. You know, he, 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 won, a, he, he won a few races for, for McLaren and he was there when they were still fighting for titles. So he can see... He can see what what's going to be good about the operation. Also, having been there at the nadir of the Honda Works effort, for example, he can see what the what the problems are. He, you know, he if he identifies something and says, oh, "I've been there, I've seen that." He knows he knows what that's going to be. He knows where it's going to be found wanting, especially from a driver's point of view. Given Williams has two inexperienced drivers, I know George is now going into his third season, and he's very highly rated, and he knows sort of how Mercedes operates. I don't think we should underestimate the value of someone with that much experience from a driving point of view going in there and being able to give feedback on how certain things work. But I, I think it's going to be really good for morale because, uh, and I know he will want to be more than just a fashionable team rep who speaks well on camera and you know gets put in front of people when people are a bit glum at the factory and they need some cheering up. He, he's obviously going to be want to, he's obviously going to want to be more than that. But he has spoken really enthusiastically about the task and he, he obviously really wants it. Uh, there's a lot of authenticity about the way Jensen's speaking. You know, when, when he spoke, when he did a short interview with Sky Sports F1, because obviously he's still going to be a pundit for them this year, which gives an indication of how not day to day or daily his responsibilities at Williams will be. Um, there was this bit where, where he said, about the staff at Williams, obviously because he'd been there back in 2000 and it was quite a young team then uh, that he was around. He said, I look forward to working with them and however much I can help, I will. Everyone needs to be pulling their weight. Everyone needs to give 100%. The team needs to be passionate. Every single person that works there, it can't just be the job. It needs to be the passion and the love for the sport. That's the only way that we're going to fight at the front again. Now, that can be taken as just meaningless platitudes but if Jensen goes in there and the stuff he does as an, as an advisor, the days he is in front of the factory at, at Grove, when he is on site for the team, when he's representing them in the media or at events, having someone like Jensen walk in the walk as well as talk in the talk, that's going to be quite valuable, I think, for for the for the people. It just it just it's another layer that helps you buy into the Williams project, I think, if you're part of the team. Yeah, and it's a team that's building a new kind of story, isn't it? Because although it is still the Williams team of old in many ways, it is a new era for it, new ownership. So it's quite nice as well to have that that connection to the past as well. Obviously, he drove for Williams in 2000. They gave him his first big break in Formula One. So yeah, I think it's it's quite nice. Just think the important thing is not to overstate uh, what it's meant to be. Because it's very, very easy when these these roles happen and people say, well, he didn't do X, Y, and Z. It's not what he wasn't meant to. You know he's he's probably contracted to do a handful of days, and I'm sure, as you say, he'll he'll authentically want to make a good contribution. But yeah, it's all about what is what his job role is and isn't, and the fact we've been able to list so many little areas where he can be of value shows probably why they've done it. And I imagine that's quite a it's going to be quite a good value thing, even though Jensen Button, I doubt, is somebody who comes ultra cheap because he's in he's in demand, so he can afford to put a fair price on his on his services, and, and rightly so. But I don't think it'll just be a money for money for old rope thing from his perspective. Just turn up, grin, and say a nice thing. He, he'll actually do it because he feels he can offer something, even if it's just a, a very small thing, just to help with the Williams revival. 
Yeah, and there'll be a reason why he's not just called an ambassador. So he will need to justify that, won't he? Because as a senior advisor, if the team does something wrong, then it will be like, well, how bad was Jensen's advice? On the subject of how much impact he'll have, or or rather how well um, he'll do, you're probably a better place to answer this, this, this Ed. But um, if you compare it to the first time he was at Williams, uh, if he did as well as senior advisor as he did as a rookie in 2000 how good a job will he be doing as special advisor or senior advisor sorry i'm mixing up his own i'm mixing up this rather silly job title already <laughs> well i guess it, it depends how you look at it actually because his his first season was really stellar he jumped in straight from f3 he briefly tested a mclaren after winning the mclaren autosport brdc award he then did a, a pros test and then got called up for this williams opportunity and he beat bruno Junquera in a, in a battle for the seat and did a really good job showed good speed, scored a point point in his second race, would have scored in his first race as well. And there were some really, really high quality moments, third on the grid at Spa, fifth on the grid at Suzuka, and really, really quick through the snake, the the S's early in the lap, which is a really good good test of a a driver's skill and smoothness. And so this very much was that the proto Jensen Button, the Grand Prix driver, really showing flashes of class and turning in some, some great drives. The reason I say it depends on the perspective is that he also admitted that he was pretty much out of his depth in many ways, not in terms of just sitting in a car and driving it, but just the technical demands and the, the challenge. And obviously, this is a time when the BMW engine project was was young, so there's lots of unreliability, lots of work to be done. So it's a steep learning curve for him as well. So uh, hopefully, he won't be out of his depth as a, as a uh, senior advisor. I don't think he will be. In a way, it's just quite a nice bit of symmetry, isn't it? Because there was the Farago with him almost returning to Williams, which never happened. And it's almost like there was a feeling when he left at the end of 2000, because he was still under contract, but he was he was dropped because they had Juan Pablo Montoya available to slot in. So it was always likely to be a one-year appointment. And the feeling was when he left, it's like, oh, he'll come back one day. But he never, he never did. So it's nice to be able to finish it off. But it's worth remembering that whole madness with uh, him also almost returning isn't it because you you appeared on the bring back v10s podcast episode uh, we did recently which looks at the whole button bar williams contractual wrangling yeah that was about his obviously his 2004 season and the big uh, tug of war over his services within that um yeah it's nice to see his f1 career come full circle um but it's also quite funny that the reunion is not coming well at the, the first attempt or even the second attempt because <laughs> you had that uh had that shock uh, in the middle of 2004 when uh, when everything was going really well with BAR. Button had obviously scored his first podiums in, in, in F1. The team was on the up. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden, Button announced that he'd signed for Williams for 2005, sort of exercising a, a loophole in his contract that BAR contested didn't exist, which was all around Honda's uh, commitment to the team. And that obviously went to the... Uh, has been the what was it the contract recognition board? Is that what it's called? Uh, which it was a very drawn out saga. Uh, eventually ruled in favour of BAR, so Button was forced to stay. But he was. I remember reading his statement at the time, which basically concluded, and so did Williams's, that. But they remained determined to work together again, and to that end, you know, they'd look to do something for two thousand and six. And then he signed a deal with Williams for 2006. But he didn't make the move again. But this time it was his decision to back out because Williams was losing BMW. 
but BAR was about to become the the full Honda Works team, uh, and he was like, "Oh no, I don't fancy that. I need to I need to get out of that." Uh, but Frank was having none of it, held him to the contract, and a button I think paid a very large amount of money to get out of it. I think the BBC reported at the time it was around twenty million pounds that Button paid, and I think Button said in his book that Frank got a a lot of cash <laughs> from it. So I suspect that number's not far off. Um, and uh, and but but. Now there's no bad blood between the team and the and the man, so he he's heading back there. He's probably not going to get that that money that he paid Frank all those years ago. Um, but I, as you said, he's probably going to be quite nicely recompensed for being an advisor, isn't he? So all's well that ends well. Yeah, you can find that podcast we mentioned, series three, episode one of the Bring Back V10s podcast. That's a podcast that tells classic featuring David Richards. Yes, David Richards is a team boss. So yeah, plenty of insight there from. Uh, from you and, and, and David Richards. so uh, Much more DR than me. <laughs> As a, a shock move, the person who was there in the middle of all of it knows more than the journalist who was about 12 when it was all happening. Well, that's, that's to be expected. But it does just, just show, doesn't it, the, the strange stories and the twists and turns of, uh, of, of drivers' careers. And this is just a, a, a nice little end stop, shall we say, for Jensen Button, that he's going back to Williams and... Uh, yeah, at the end of 2000, everyone thought he'd go back. I don't think anyone thought it would be in 2021 and that the team would be under completely different ownership and the whole world would have changed. Uh, it's uh, it's an amazing story. And it'll be good to have him around because obviously although Button's regularly at races with with Sky, it'll give him a little bit more involvement. And hopefully we'll we'll see him having a go in a car as well. Not necessarily a uh, a current one, but I'm not quite sure what, what the Williams Heritage Operation is doing under the new ownership but they've got plenty of cars that can run so uh i i imagine that one day they'll do a heritage day and he'll be able to jump in and out of some some great cars be cool if he got back in his 2000 car wouldn't it yeah yeah that would be uh that would be fun to see and i, I imagine if you're negotiating for that you you'd want to you'd want to be able to get out there and have a little bit of a bit of a play did, did he did he say if he was uh yeah he, was gonna he, have did. A drive? he was asked he was asked if he'd drive um you know if he'd be able to drive the 2021 car and he said no probably not but he said there, he said there will definitely be opportunities with the heritage division. So he's quite excited about that, and he did say it would be lovely to be reunited with the with the two thousand car. I suspect he'd probably be a bit slower in it now, but he'll he'll have a bit of better idea of what to expect, and he'd he'd be less out. Oh, actually, it's a good point. Would Jensen Button at what was he now forty forty one with all that experience, but with four years five years out of Formula One? Would this version of Button be more out of depth in a 2000 Williams than the rookie Jensen Button in 2000? There's a scenario. Yeah, I suspect uh, I suspect he'd bring lots to it because, of course, although he's out of Formula 1, he's been actively racing. racing. Yeah, exactly. Um, even occasionally beating the likes of us in sim racing, admittedly beating me by a far bigger margin than he, uh, than he beats you. But uh, it's a, it's a, That's actually a good point. It's a good... Um, it's a good... Uh, it's a feel-good story, good motivator for everybody else... Um, competing against us in the uh, Team Brit run E-Team Brit GT series that we're doing, that one day, you know, you could just be uh, racing, out-qualifying, beating Scott Mitchell, Ed Straw, or, or Jack Nichols. The, no, no, you will be Reem. racing and out-qualifying me. That's, that's, although, <laughs> although yeah. I'll get my excuse in. We have discovered since, uh, since my last race that there was a fundamental problem with the steering wheel software, which has transformed everything. So next yep, time... Exactly, next, it was the material, ne- not the driver. Next time um, I'm really yeah, slow, it'll be all on me. <laughs> You could be beating us at Bathurst in a GT3 car, and then a couple of weeks later, you might be announcing yourself as a senior member of a Formula One team. Miracles do happen. 
yeah, that's that's called going up in the world. I think you can say certainly mixing with uh, with better people. But anyway, good luck to Jensen Button and good luck to to Williams. Obviously, we're keeping a close eye on that team as it revives itself under Doralton Capital. There's decent investment there. It's going to be a long old haul, but there's a team that does have a, a relatively bright future, having gradually struggled more and more financially over the years. So something to to look forward to how that all shakes out. Thanks very much, Scott Mitchell. Do head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen loads to read on there, including some insight into Jensen Button's role. Check out our sister podcasts, including Bring Back V10s that we mentioned. The third season of that is in full swing. Lots to listen to on there. And also check out our YouTube channel. Just search for The Race. You'll also find a Jensen Button video on there. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of the Race F1 podcast. Thank you.